0: Finally, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life, this is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat
1: it is wednesday october 7th 2020 and it is time donks for morning combat hi everyone my name is luke thomas i am one half of your hosting duo i am joined by the gentleman on the other side of the screen no bigger fan in the world of uh, mk dissected than him the conspiracy to my theory my friend and yours connecticut's king not named apathy the one and only brian campbell hi brian how are you good sir
0: uh luke as you already know i've got a tongue like a razor A sweet switchblade knife. And I tell it like it is, even to your passive aggressiveness, I heard rumors going around someone close to the show has found out that you don't believe that I support non-BC MK products on the same level that I do (laughs) what we cook up live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Luke, uh, do you like Apple's? because i i got a number i retweeted the damn uh, dissected so uh city cockboxing all day every day thank you yes great work yeah. uh, the sure only reason i might have
1: the only reason i might have that view is because you told me that that was your view just sort of putting it out there
0: but yes and that person who put the bug in my ear was actually you luke okay but yeah. congratulations <laughs> you're you're dissected on izzy i hear luke Because I get texted about it by you every hour that it's our most watched video in Morning Combat history. So congratulations! It's not it's not it's
1: it's second most behind the Khabib dissected that I did. But uh, yes, it's. Who's counting,
0: right? Who's counting? You know, I mean, who
1: who would look at these metrics? I don't know. Nevertheless, uh, we have a lot to get to today. It's a Wednesday edition of the show, so a few news and notes. People have been asking: Are we still going to do the dead wrong segment? Yes but now it's going to be on Fridays. Makes a lot more sense to end the week with all of these stupid things we've said, Brian. Yeah, because we'll make errors every
0: every other day, so yeah, we might as well just round them up at the end, yeah.
1: Fair enough, so we'll do that, but today we have a lot to get to, UFC 256 matchmaking, Uh, we're going to talk about Deontay Wilder firing the coach who threw the towel in his fight, or his rematch I should say, with uh, Tyson Fury, we're going to get to some social media beefs, deep dive on Colby Covington, and a whole lot more. First things first, apologies for starting late, but we're here, we're ready to go. Please give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. We're doing great numbers now that we're going in heavier rotation. Really appreciate that. Also, we're giving you content every single day. Live chat tomorrow and yesterday, BC. Watch tell the folks this about uh, this new podcast thing you're doing with Mr. Boog's. It's the boxing hardcores, right?
0: Yes, yes, a ho- boxing hardcore, not the regular fans, as the great Richard Dwyer would say. Uh, a lot of you may have may have been fans of what I've done with uh, Rafe Bartholomew in many networks and iterations over the year, but we're bringing the boxing hardcores under the MK flag, very excited. You know, every couple weeks checking in on the sport. We certainly had a big one to do yesterday, going real deep on all things Zapeda Baranchik where does it fit in in terms of best fights of the century what made it so great all that great stuff was fun to uh to throw the balls around there with good old Ray Faye, New York Times bestselling author. But uh, welcome to the family, MK. uh, We're going to keep giving it to you on Tuesdays and Thursdays. A lot of creative, fun side content there. A little bit of appetizers for what you get every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern in your face hole. It's MK. Nobody does it better, Luke. Nobody.
1: Uh, Nobody. Very true. All right. So if you would like, uh, let's see, to try Showtime, you certainly can. Showtime.com. 30-day uh, free trial. You like it. You can keep it, if not, pound sand. You want some merch? Store.show.com. These links should be in the description box. I don't know if they are, but store.show.com um, is the place to be for that. And a reminder, 3 p.m. East Coast time tomorrow, the live chat, my live chat, moves to the MK channel. You can check it out there. All right? So, okay. Uh, BC, with that in mind, we have a lot to get to. We have no time to waste. Let's start with That's our good. big... Th- what's that
0: i said let's do it luke that's all i said okay let's do it it's hard
1: to hear over these effing happy uh,
0: editorial wife is a happy editorial life okay thank (laughs) you
1: (laughs) i mean it was just being you're being weird not me but okay neither here nor there let's start the show three big topics to get to first things first ESPN's Ariel Helwani has reported that UFC 256 has lost its main event, BC. It was supposed to be the, uh, well, I would say somewhat long-anticipated fight to a degree between Gilbert Burns and champion Kamaru Usman. Usman needs a little bit more time to heal from injuries, get right uh, to be in a position to, to compete fully. And so now the organization is kind of sitting out there not knowing what to do. A lot of different actors in the space have thrown their you know, their uh, name in the hat, and they want to be picked up. Uh, first things first, your reaction to the news that they don't have this welterweight fight to lean on for the, I think, the last pay-per-view of the year, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I believe it's, uh, what, mid-December? Maybe December 12th. 12th. I have to look that up. I
1: think the 12th, Yeah.
0: But uh, UFC 256 was shaping up pretty well. Look, uh, Usman Burns is not going to have the sex factor, you know, of a of a Colby a, a on one side of it or a Connor or whatever. But, but that's one of the best fights you can make in this sport right now. And the co-header for that one is looking like it would be Amanda Nunes defending her 145 belt against Megan Anderson. So while it's certainly not great news that this falls apart, Luke, I think it does give UFC an opportunity to, to bu- build up that pay-per-view even larger and add some more commercial crossover sort of name value to it while still getting a very good fight uh, to replace Burns Usman. And you, you mentioned there was no shortage of people coming out and throwing their name into the mix. Uh, we can go up and down it, but I'm interested in saying if you are Dana White, McMaynard, uh, the other guy, Sean, Shelby... Uh, you call up your Endeavor friends, right? You gotta, you're got you probably having an eyes-wide-shut party, no pants, you know, co- covered eyes, you know what I'm saying? Maybe the Illuminati's involved, and you're like, what are we going to do for 256? Let's bring in Luke Thomas to help us uh, book the territory. What's the best fix here?
1: Well, so some of the reporting that has come out to me that I've seen is that there have a few options. You already mentioned they've got Nunes and Anderson sort of tentatively targeted for this card. So that's an interesting one, but that's, it's, that's more like a fun addition. As good as Amanda Nunes is, it's just not on paper the most competitive fight. I think a lot of folks look at that as sort of a lion being fed a gazelle. We'll see if that ends up being true in the end. Um, they're still waiting to hear about what's going to happen between Peter Jan, your UFC bantamweight champion, and Aljamain Sterling. But the one that caught my attention that I thought was the most interesting, and I don't know if it's doable, but I like the idea... Francis Ngannou wants his title shot, and he wants it against Stipe Miocic. That was also reported that the UFC has reached out to both sides to see if that's something they can get going. Now, obviously, we have Francis Ngannou beating Jairzinho, Jairzinho Rosenstruck what, back in May and doing it with absolute ease. I mean, did the fight even last 30 seconds? I don't think that it did. And then you have the another five-round fight just this past August for Stipe Miocic. So they are in different positions. One, Francis has been waiting a lot longer. And two, that was a much tougher fight than what Francis had to go through versus what Stipe had to go through for DC the second time. Nevertheless, if it's your last pay-per-view of the year, while I like the Nunes and Anderson fight, and while I absolutely love the Jan and Sterling fight, neither of those are your get-over-the-hump-from-a-pay-per-view-standpoint kind of major attraction. Both of those are great B and in the case I think of Nunez and C, sort of if you wanted to have a three title fights on the card, that would be your C. And if there was an A, B, and C or a three, if there was a one, two, and a three in your power rankings, they still need that one. They still need that A in the title picture power rankings. For me, if they can find a way to do it, and I might understand Miocic's reticence here, BC, because not only did he have a tough fight, he already beat Francis. He's looking for something different. John Jones is out there. Maybe you go that direction. But they apparently have promised. Francis a title fight, Francis, as people have told me that they've promised him a title fight next, I think if you can find a way to get it done, that's gotta be your clubhouse leader, right?
0: It should be. That would be the the I think the middle ground answer where it's safe enough. Look, you're not even with Stipe and Francis in there with Amanda in the supporting act. You know, you're not going to sell massive buys, but that's a sexy bout. The 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 Engano Stipe rematch. There's a lot you can do with. That. I think that's the safe middle ground answer right here. Uh, and how do you get Stipe back? You probably just pay him, right? Just pay him a little bit more. Pay him what he probably deserves at this point as a guy who regained his title and has been there for you at each step of the way. Uh, Jones would be nice to crash this party, but we're we're already talking about the potential of Jones Adesanya. Plus, Ngannou is more deserving. I think you can also get a pay-per-view main event out of John debuting at heavyweight without a title in some form. So this would be probably meaning Stipe Francis II safest, strongest, best move to do. You probably wouldn't have to break the bank while still giving Stipe enough to, to, to make him want to do this right now. But what about those rumors that Dana was throwing out, that he did put uh, an offer out there for Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor? Uh, That could certainly swoop in and save the day without question, Luke. I wouldn't want or need an interim title there, but do you think UFC would be willing, if they went that direction, to put Conor in a non-title main event in a non-sort of one-off super fight situation? Like, this is a fight that is within the title picture at 155, and put Amanda in a a title bout co-main event. Would, See this is the weird
1: okay? this is the weird one for me. It's like if they don't put Connor in there, you mean to tell me we're going to end the year without a Connor McGregor fight except for the one in January against Cowboy that lasted what, a minute? I mean, I forget even how long it was. 42 seconds, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was it was nothing. It was like cotton candy. It was it was there and then it wasn't. That seems to me like almost impossible to believe and yet it feels like that's the path that we're headed on because my guess is Dana White put out this ultimatum, which, by the way, he leaked stuff to the press to make the fighters look a certain way. Oh, we're going to offer the fight, and we did offer the fight to Connor and to Dustin. And Dustin was like, I accept immediately. He didn't hear anything from Connor, And Dana was like, we're supposed to hear by a certain time this day. That deadline passed, and we didn't hear anything, which leads me to believe he doesn't really find that bout all that interesting. BC, I'm, I'm trying to think about this. If you're, if you're trying to get Conor McGregor to fight Dustin Poirier, how do you sell it to him? How do you sell it to him other than saying, hey, if you don't take this, you're going to be inactive even longer, right? Other than, other than just getting out there again, what is, the, what is the rationale? Because one, you have to cut to 155, which he'll do, but I think he prefers if he doesn't have to. Two, it's a non-title fight. Number three, it'd probably be a main event, which means it would be five rounds, which is a much more difficult thing. It probably blows up any attempts to make the Pacquiao fight, if that's even real or uh, headed in any kind of meaningful direction. And he already beat the guy. Now, I understand the differences, as do you. This is not the Dustin Poirier he beat back then, which isn't to say that Connor can't beat him or wouldn't beat him, but it's a much more difficult task and ask this time around. Plus, Connor was on a red-hot streak, and now he's very, what do you want to say, all over the place at this point in terms of whether he's training and whether he's not. So I like that fight. I think you could go that direction. But Stipe has an obligation to defend the title. That's a little bit different, and they can do something with that. They can make another interim title with John versus whoever, as you indicated. People would you know, riot, but you could do it. You can't make another interim belt. Gaethje already has it. Well, let, so let me you're answer having... your question. You, you not throw out her? a
0: ret- you threw out a rhetorical in there, Luke. You said, "What would they do to to get Connor to do it?" You, you'd have to guarantee that he gets uh, Habib if he wins. I mean, straight up. Uh, you know, Habib could say every day of the week, "You know, I want to go out and fight GSP and be done, and I don't want to be, you know, in the same uh, puddle with this with this piece of shit." You know, the, your boy, I will smash him. You gotta. You'd have to sit down and, and be Dana and not send it via DM. And uh, maybe do a blood oath and shake hands and say, Look, Connor, you come back and you fight Poirier in this pay per view main event. We're not going to, you know, we're going to give you Connor money. We're not going to give you Floyd money, but uh, you come do this for us. You're getting the Habib rematch because it makes sense for all of us. That would have to be a conversation Dana would have to have with Habib to make that work, certainly. Do you think Tony Ferguson fits into this scenario at all? Considering he was just, uh, did an area, uh, in an interview with Ariel in the past 24 hours and I was able to skim it. And, uh, Tony's pretty upset with the way UFC handled the whole thing with the Poirier fight coming to him last minute, assuming he would take things. He did call out Dana said, look, you know, we're not boys. We're not friends, right? This is business. And basically put out there. I have been a company man for them. I stood up for them during the quarantine, fought Gaethje last minute and now they're not necessarily respecting me. I need another fight in 2020. I'll main event either the November or December cards. Give me Poirier. Give me McNuggets. Give me Chandler. But pay me for it. Is there any scenario do you think where Tony can crash this party?
1: As a headliner? I mean, you can make the Poirier and Ferguson fight, and you and me would love it till the our dying day, but I don't know that that's a fight you could put in there. I mean, imagine if what you had was you couldn't convince Stipe to do it for whatever reason. Connor is just not going to play ball for whatever reason he's not going to. And th- these are very plausible scenarios, by the way. It leaves you with Nunes and Anderson, Jan and, uh, and uh, Sterling, which are, at least in the latter of the stoop, a totally competitive fight. Fine title fights, I suppose, all things considered. And then you have Poirier versus Ferguson. Now, don't get me wrong. That is a killer card for hardcores, and maybe they end up going that direction. I mean, part of this whole year has been if we can meet our volume quota With these contractual revenue deals that we have, that being the UFC, they don't have to bend to the stars in the ways that they might have to four or five years ago. The the, the game has certainly changed in that way. So maybe they just end up going that way. But as a headlining fight, no, I don't think you can do that. I think it's just another fun fight. Plus, if you end up doing it that way where you put it on a pay-per-view and you've got two title fights above it, it can't headline, which means it's going to be three rounds. Maybe you do want Poirier versus Ferguson for three rounds, given all the battles they've been in, but you have to be okay with that ahead of time and say, there's a reason why we don't want that to be five, right? Right.
0: Right, but Connor's going to be nobody's co-main event. He's going to headline if he fights, and he should. And you should put the title fights as the co-main event if they're not bigger than a Connor fight. And what title fights are bigger than any Connor fight? So I'm of the belief, and we've seen it before, right? You know, Diaz uh, uh, Connor one was was the main event to uh, Holly Tate for the for the title. I know that was a last-minute scenario it was supposed to be RDA, but uh, if it's Connor, it should main event. If it's not. You know, if you can get Ferguson Poirier, but I don't think you can. I mean, I think you, I don't think you can put out the money unless you're paying them. I mean, one thing Ferguson said in that interview was, I bring pay-per-view buys. So, no, I think at this point, Luke, no one's willing to take a discount and fit in as your second or third fight and do it for three rounds. They want a headline. UFC has to step up and just basically say, look, lightweight division is our sex division. Everyone in there is a star. Let's, let's get the two guys that fit the price for us. But let's put it as the main event. I'm all for that. I wanted to ask you one thing, though, about Tony Ferguson before we close. He talked about that he wants us to be so busy, UFC won't let him, that he thinks he can go as high as 205, Luke. Light heavyweight. He thinks his frame could support light heavyweight, and he's willing to fight in any weight class above lightweight just to stay busy. Is this just El Kakui talk? Because I know you and him have that weird relationship. Do you remember that... That open workout when he was playing with those crystal balls and then he came over and gave you that gift? What the hell yeah. was that about, Luke?
1: It was a grip trainer. He gave me a grip trainer, yeah. Um, no, I mean, you couldn't do that all the way back when MMA was le- much less fully fleshed out and formed, meaning there weren't as many divisions and they weren't as well-staffed. Like BJ Penn trying to go up and fight Leota Machida and just getting absolutely worked over you can't you can't do that anymore, and I, I certainly understand he's got big power at 155, and I think some of that will probably carry up to uh, 170 pounds. So it's not like he can't play with some of his options in the way that a lot of other lightweights have done, like Connor, uh, like Cerrone. He can do that, I think, or even Masvidal to a degree. But at, you know, 185. I mean, Luke Rockhold is a different species in terms of size than Tony Ferguson. It's simply not true. Last thing on this, and then we'll move along, BC. Speaking of Jorge Masvidal, what about as a dark horse candidate, the Colby and Jorge fight that they've been talking about? Could you do that?
0: Yeah, you could. And you also could, by the way, do the same with the Masvidal-Nate Diaz rematch if you wanted to bring back the BMF and make that a pay-per-view main event. You could go either of those ways to fill it. I just think that UFC, when they look at all the options on the table, Luke, it's going to be important what they do specifically with the lightweight division because they could move the story further right now what i mean by that is we've seen a lot of we've seen habib and tony fall apart five times right we've seen connor sit out for two years we've seen a lot of holes in telling the full story of us finding out who's the best lightweight you know all that everybody faced each other we already know habib's gonna fight uh gaichi i'd like to see them get tony chandler Poirier and Connor all four back in some form to close this year to further that story. So when Habib is looking for a potential go away retirement fight, we know out of those remaining four who's the hottest at the moment, who is most deserving. You can also though argue Luke that there's as much reason not to further that discussion. If the hope is Conor Habib too, and that's the ultimate lottery ticket. That's the ultimate cash in. You may want to just play it safe and not ruin that. So that's why they get paid the big bucks, Luke. That's why they sit in the war room. That's why Dana has that large machine gun with all the drugs in it. That piece of art, I don't understand it. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't make that kind of money.
1: Very subtle art. Very subtle. The art in his office. Uh, all right. So we now go to topic number two of the three big uh, BC. Deontay Wilder has fired his one of his co-trainers, Mark Breland. Now he's got two. The other one is JDS. JDS is the one who's been with uh, Wilder since he was in the amateurs. Uh, Breland didn't come around until Shelley Finkel, so the uh, overseer of these whole operations, put him there when the professional career began. But he's been there for 12 years or so, like a fairly long time. Um, all right, so he fires him. Why did he fire him? Well, we're not exactly sure, BC. But if you'll recall, Breland, who by the way is a two, I think two time world champion, Olympic gold medalist, sort of a quiet guy in that whole you know yelling bomb squad arsenal, he was the one that threw the towel in the Fury rematch. Now after the fight, Fury, excuse me, after the fight, Wilder was very unhappy with that and said so uh, vocally. Although he did at the time say you know Breeland would still be welcomed in the camp. Jay Diaz was critical about it, taking Wilder's back, and I guess at first they tried to make it work, and then in the end they couldn't. What is your takeaway from Wilder fi- firing Breland before the rem- Excuse me, the trilogy fight, which may take place either December or January, we believe.
0: Uh, you know, your knee-jerk reaction to say, like, this is wrong. This this feels like it's the it's a million percent wrong move. Not only is Mark Breland, who was you know, I don't know the percentage, you know, that you get co-trainers 50-50, but in some forms, you know, he's the guy who brings the credentials. He's one of the greatest amateur fighters of all time. Oh, and by the way, he had a pretty good pro career, too, and was a world champion. Here's a guy, when you're looking at Wilder, I know he's the blood and guts warrior. I know he's the guy who can win a fight at any time. But Breeland was able to bring the quiet, sort of uh, technical side of it, and that those are some of the holes in Deontay's game that you would think need well rounding. So you mix that with the idea of this was the guy who was trying to protect your future. You weren't winning that Fury rematch. Fury was walking you down. We find out after that Wilder had an injury on his bicep from surgery. You know, the, the, he was worn down from wearing the ridiculous costume. There's a lot that was just a bad night at the office. So your knee jerk reaction is to say. You're getting rid of the one guy in that camp who had your best interest. But obviously, Luke, anytime there's a divorce or a spat, a domestic issue, and I'm calling this meaning a a family here, this domestic family team, Wilder, you never really know what goes on behind the scenes. So I do give credence to what uh, Wilder's manager, Shelly Finkel, said when he came out and was like, look, nobody can act like they're in the gym day to day and that there's not more reasons for Mark Breland's exit than just he's the guy that threw in the towel. I don't believe it's that simple as that. I want to kind of oddly spin this back to you, though, and say this. Yeah, knee-jerk, it looks like a bad look. But you are Deontay Wilder. You're always going to have, you know, the, the great equalizer, the one-trick pony, the thing that's going to separate you from the guys who are more skilled than you. Deontay came to this sport late. He's kind of still learning on the job, even though he's had a, you know incredible career and all those knockouts. If anybody has a puncher's chance, he's a, even in a fight they're getting beat up, it is Deontay Wilder. Do you think there's anything to the idea that while on the surface it seems like the wrong motive and the wrong message to send, that the one guy that's looking out for your health, you get rid of him, does Deontay Wilder need to be wired to ride or die to get the very best out of him in the ring? It's not a PC sort of, uh, you know, motto and and, and look at this, you know. And yes, he was getting beat up by Fury. He got dropped. He was straight up getting beat up. It looked like that fight was going to go south and and, and going worse, downhill the whole way. But if any fighter could pull that out of the brink, it is Deontay Wilder with that right hand. And maybe that's just... You know, the life and death feel that he embraces, maybe that's how you get him at its very best. I, I, can't, I can't assume to know what goes on in that camp. It seems like the wrong move on the surface. It seems like it's a yes-man move. But maybe that's the best way to get the most out of Deontay Wilder at the end of the day, and Jay Diaz knows it, and this is the best you know plan moving forward.
1: I, I don't know what motivates Deontay Wilder at the end of the day. That's a question for Breland, that's a question for Diaz and anybody else in that camp who has a much closer sense of things. And to your point, you're right, who knows what has gone on between them as individuals or business partners or coach trainer that has, or I should say trainer, uh, student, that has led to this split between them. However, there's just a series of things that Wilder has said that make you think he has judgment issues. I mean, here's why ultimately Breland threw the towel. I'm not sure exactly where it happened in the calendar relative to those other deaths we had last year. Two of them, by the way, in the state of Maryland in boxing. One with Dadashev not too far from my place of uh, residence over at National Harbor. And, um, and then there was another one as well. I forget. I believe both of those happened, though, before the Wilder Fury rematch. Patrick Day. Last yeah, October, Patrick Day. Patrick Day. Yeah, Yeah. And so you have a guy like Breland, who, by the way, I'm sure has seen many other deaths in boxing along the way and then may have been reminded of them. I mean, understand something about Deontay Wilder. If he was not married, if he didn't have kids, I do think some of these calculations might be a little bit different. And he's not poor by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's done quite well for himself. But if you're Breland and you have a rational sense about what kind of punishment is tolerable and you know that the guy who you are watching is taking a, a beating. Even he can't come back from it. And I don't care what anybody says. You go back and watch that second Wilder fight with Fury. There, you know that puncher's chance shit is out the window. Sorry, he was no position to to uh, give it to Fury like that. And then you realize this guy has multiple people in their lives counting on him. Not really financially, but for their, you know, I mean, the, the father figure that someone which you play in someone's life is profound. And he's got young kids too. They're not all in college. I mean, it would be totally immoral for him to not at least have considered to throw the towel. Now, you could debate about when he threw the towel, and that's fine, but the idea that he... like Remember, the big thing that even Diaz and Wilder got after Breland for was the very notion that he would even think of throwing the towel, not that he actually even did it. Like The very concept to them was simply something you couldn't tolerate no matter what the circumstances are. You simply cannot do that. That is not a rational way of working your way through the sport. And the sport has many irrationalities that we have to tolerate, but suicide by competition or you know, maiming by competition willingly is not something you can do, especially when you have other vulnerable people in this world counting on you, and what it would do to the sport itself. You cannot, do, you cannot allow the sport to be a place where people just decide, I'm going to die here for some nobility reason, and then what kind of damage you leave the sport as a consequence. I mean, the Dadashev and the Day fights had some kind of profile, but not the kind of profile that Wilder Fury 2 had. That was a much bigger uh, situation. And again, I'm not suggesting that we're on the same path as that, but you know, thinking about those things. And so to me, the real big thing is here, I actually interviewed uh, wilder before and after the Dominic Brazil fight, and before you 'll recall he was like i 'm trying to catch a body on my record and then afterwards, I asked him if he regretted it, and he said no and i 'm like dude wilder 's got he 's got judgment issues, he just has judgment issues, he has judgment issues about what kinds of things. And what kinds of limits we have to tolerate, not merely for your own good, but for the good of the sport, for the good of humanity, to make this a thing that we can allow in society. For a normal person, Luke.
0: For a normal person, yes. Are we ever going to act like these are normal people?
1: I'll end here. I'll I'll throw it back to you. But, B.C., every other fighter, including fighters much better than him, have been able to make and walk that tightrope. The idea that he can't because he's tough or something is nonsense.
0: No, you, I Look, nothing you said there is wrong. In in the whole knee jerk thing, leans completely in that direction. And at the end of the day, gun to my head, I lean in that direction too. I am trying to look at this from that standpoint that these are just different people. This is a a, a profession Deontay Wilder signed up for. He talks openly, like it or not, about the idea that you know he could die in there and he could kill another man in there. Uh, does he go too far with the whole idea of I want to? You know, I'm trying to catch a. Bo- of course, of course. It's also. Part of this crazy sport, it's in play. So I'm not saying that, you know, this is something JDS should embrace. I'm just saying Deontay's is already a a non-traditional fighter in a lot of ways. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to the idea that while I'm thinking, how the hell are you getting rid of Breland? He's the guy who can teach you technique. He's the guy who can teach you a jab. He's the guy who can teach you self-preservation in certain things. Maybe Deontay is one of those guys who's wired in a certain way that it's all or nothing. It is go out there looking to catch that body or he can't be at his very best. Part of the fight game, maybe a lot of the fight game, Luke, if we're honest, is these guys have to be the biggest con man for themselves, right? It's not just convincing the public that they still have it, that they can win these fights to come out and buy it. It's convincing themselves that no matter the damage they've taken in the past, the losses they've accrued, the betting odds, that they have to go out there and put it all on the line. So maybe it's more of... You know, Jay Diaz is is, this mentality is the best way to fire up Deontay and get the best out of him. Not saying it's safe, it's interesting, but I do think that Deontay's got one big chance left. I'm not saying that he needs to retire or that his career is going to be over soon. I'm saying he's got one big chance left in this trilogy bout to really redeem his entire name luke and there was a you know there's a certain level of staining on him the the way he lost to fury the way he got walked down the way that you know towel gets thrown in the stupid costume all that stuff if they had run back this trilogy fight this summer like was the original plan it's almost giving you that feeling like you know are the promoters and company just kind of cashing him out we got this contractually obligated thing hey let's do it one more time roll the dice maybe he'll catch fury maybe not man, you're giving this guy nine, 10 months, maybe a year when it's all said and done to get better from that second fight. Uh, you know, can an old dog learn new tricks? You know, not, not completely, but there are certainly a lot of ways, I believe, that Deontay Wilder, if he has, again, the right people in camp that, that are looking at this constructively and saying, we got to have you use your jab more, We got to have you looking to be less dependent on all or nothing with a big right hand. I get that fighting Tyson Fury is different than fighting any other heavyweight in the world. I just think it's going to be interesting when this trilogy fight does happen, whether it's December, January. Look, it's on the books. It's got to happen, right? Contractually, whether because of the quarantine, Deontay actually benefits from this, and he comes out looking like a hungry, aggressive, live dog in that third fight. Because the one thing we have not seen from Wilder in this trilogy, Luke, and I think you can agree with this, is him fighting like he fought against Brazil in round one. Just balls to the wall, going for it. The reason why is because you you can't do that against Fury. He's six to nine. He's got long arms. He's quicker than you. But if you can just take Wilder, which what he is, not a boxer, he's not these other things, he's a destroyer. I think there's two ways you go from this. You either use the quarantine... To, to build up his technique, or you go all in on saying the, the new Deontay Wilder 2.0 to finish out his career is leaving nothing to judges, leaving nothing to anything. I'm going in there to finish you in the first three, four rounds, and if I gas out after that, I do. I, I'm going to be so interested to see come this third fight which version we see of Deontay coming out of there given this time to think about this.
1: The last thing I would to add to that is it, it, it's not that Jay Diaz... Repres- and this is the white guy in his corner, for folks who may not know. It, it's not that he represents all of the excesses of Deontay's personality. That's that's not true. He seems like a very mild-mannered Alabama guy himself. But he certainly accommodates them. And I don't know that Breland didn't accommodate those things in the way that Diaz did. But he was always really quiet. He didn't do nearly as many interviews. He was never out there screaming bomb squad, the whole thing. Like He was just the guy who you were like, oh, that's the dude that Wilder keeps in his camp because he knows he has to work on the fundamentals of boxing that he doesn't have. And by the way, you know, Breedlim had them in, in, in pretty strong supply. He was always that anchor of reality in the corner. Diaz is not the anchor of reality. He, he could provide many other benefits to Wilder, but not that. You jettison the guy who was that, that's going to put you on the right footing to beat the best heavyweight boxer alive? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the path is just to you know be the juggernaut and bust down walls and, and just overwhelm the guy with force. But part of me feels like the pattern of misjudgments he's made, there's a through line with them. And ending with the dismissal of Breland does not speak well of them. All right. Uh, point three, by the way. our Topic number three, B.C., Which leads us sort of back to the initial conversation to just a small degree. What should be next for Leon Edwards? So here's what happened. He was offered a fight, or I believe they tried to make a fight between he and Wonderboy. He did not seem especially interested. Then the Gilbert fight, Gilbert Burns with Usman uh, gets delayed. So Leon's like, well, hey, BC, why don't I fight Gilbert Burns for number one contender? But Gilbert Burns is like, what? I'm already the number one contender. Why the hell would I fight you for something I already have? So help us understand something here. If you are advising Leon Edwards, who has been on ice for what? I mean, the last time he fought was the, the RDA fight, right? It's almost a year and a half ago. Uh, if memory serves, I'll look that up. What the hell do you do?
0: Well, you, the, the worst thing you can do is not fight. Right? When you're being avoided or when you are not falling in the graces of the company to be a favored son, the best thing you can do is stay active and get to a point where where the promotion has no other choice. Or if your opponent's in boxing, or if we say this about Gennady Golovkin, right? When all the big middleweights were avoiding him, the best thing he could do is become an attraction, fight four times a year, which he was doing and knocking fools out. And it kind of you know, you're eventually gonna either get up to the rankings where people don't have a choice, or you know, and mandatories and all that. Or you're just going to become such a big star, they'll want to fight you. In Leon Edwards' case here, he does have the eight wins in a row. He does have the idea that he's being, you know, overlooked and maybe not getting the full benefit of the doubt because he's not a sexy fighter and he's not a loud fighter and all that stuff. But within those eight victories, look, he really only has, what, like one sort of top five victory. So what he's missing Mm -hmm. right now are the kind of real credible wins. So, you know, he's not going to get Masvidal right now. He's probably not going to get Colby. He's probably not going to get the title shot, so you got to stay busy. Now, maybe to you, if you're Leon, why would I go down and face Cow or not Cowboy uh, Wonder Boy? I don't know to stay busy and look good. Maybe beating a top name that can that can push you up even more. So why don't I throw out this wild card suggestion? And somebody brought this to Leon, and he did I think crap on it. Why not fight Hamzat Chimaev? Why not fight yeah. the UFC's rising favored son? Because. Chemaev is going to skip the line inevitably and eventually anyway by beating these top guys, Luke. And if you're UFC's uh, redheaded stepchild at the moment, which Leon is in some ways, why don't you call out their favored son and say, look, the only way I'm going to get your attention, Dana, matchmakers and company, is beating the guy you think has next. I don't see how UFC wouldn't go for that. That would be an incredibly huge critical win for Chemayev. It would also get Leon Edwards out of their hair for the moment if he lost. And if you're Edwards, you're basically like, dude, I win that fight. I beat your boy. I'm next. I am next, okay? I'm next for money. I'm next for titles. It's time. Let's do this. I think Leon Edwards is at a point where playing the wait-and-see game, playing the what's fair game... It's not working because it's not fair. That's the system. The game is the game, Luke. Omar already taught us this. The best <laughs> thing you can do now is get aggressive and, and and go after their prize toy at the moment. And I don't care if you uh, go five rounds with them in a main event and you look boring the whole way. You beat them, you're going to end up with the prize anyway, Luke. What do you think? That's, that's it. That's it right there. That's grabbing the the, the bull by the balls. That's putting on the damn Vince McMahon brass ring right there and going after it.
1: I mean, the reason why he wouldn't take the Wonderboy fight is not identical to, but basically, basically the same reason why he wouldn't take the Chimayev fight is because he doesn't believe he should fight anyone who is, in his mind, beneath him. Now, let me correct the record here a, a couple times. Dos Anjos lost to Edwards in Edwards' last fight. That was in July of 2019, so not quite a year and a half, but we're getting there. By the time he fights, it might end up being a year and a half, by the way, so there's that. Number one. Number two, I think you're understating how good Edwards' resume is. Uh, He has wins over Tumanov, who I know MMA hardcores may or may not know, but he's very good, submitted him. He has wins over Vicente Luque, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, and Rafael Dos Anjos. That's a legitimate fighter, folks. I mean, you can say what you want about how exciting those wins were, but they're absolutely
0: legitimate, totally real. Okay, but he, Luke, aren't those all B wins? Full respect to everybody you just mentioned. Aren't those uh, all well, B and B-minus wins? He, you got to get here, some B-plus and A-minus A a, minus a wins to really yes. get into that title conversation. Okay. can
1: Fair enough. Here, here, here's why I'll split the difference with you, BC. Bro,
0: let me just say, do you remember the road Max Holloway had to go through to finally get a title shot? Sometimes Understand. that just happens.
1: And Tony, tell about Tony Ferguson? I mean, Tony Ferguson had to do this for much longer. I, I'm totally on board with the idea that uh, he has not done so much that his case is so overwhelming that we should pound our fist on the four mica and demand to see the manager. What I'm saying is the following, though.
0: <laughs> pound Sam, you ha- brother. Yes.
1: You, ha- you have to set the context. He was supposed to. That's Leon Edwards was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley in March, right before the pandemic hit. You'll you'll recall, uh, or when the pandemic hit, I should say, because they had that UFC Brazil card after the rest of the sports world had went on ice. Then they tried to have that UFC London card. That was the card where Edwards was supposed to fight Woodley. That was his big coming out moment, that was when he was basically going to announce to the world that this is the guy that needs to be taken seriously because that would have only been Woodley coming off of the Kamaru Usman loss just off of losing his belt if Edwards had fought Woodley and won and I think he probably would have all things being what we've now seen he would be in an absolutely totally different position and I feel like that's where in his mind he actually should be I don't think he should take the Chumaya fight, but I do think he should take the Wonder Boy fight. To me, that is that sort of space in between where it's probably not exactly what he wants, but what he wants is really not available. He's been on ice too long. Wonder Boy is a very tough, decorated competitor, very hard to beat, and enough of a name and BC, I think you would agree with this, enough of a rankings presence that you beat that guy and people say, okay, all right, we're cooking with gas here because only the very best are able to really do that.
0: I'm going to give you two more scenarios in which Leon Edwards could get UFC's attention. Do you like either of these? Scenario one, how about hire Ali, manager to the stars? Because all of Ali's <laughs> fighters seem to be passing go and getting big opportunities. Or scenario two, uh, show up backstage one time with a camera around and um, maybe give that receipt to Jorge Masvidal.
1: Ha, saying, that's not trying to get
0: WWE on your ass, but just saying you give that receipt back to him, you may see him in the cage. All right.
1: I mean here's the thing it's like okay you could do Edwards versus uh, Masvidal but Masvidal is popular not because he beat up Leon Edwards it's because he did the three piece in the soda after knocking out Darren Till and then did Askren and then did Nate Diaz it's got very little to do with the actuality of Leon Edwards how many fans real UFC fans can name Leon Edwards not in so the So you got
0: to make Jorge want to fight you, right? You got to give him that receipt. You got to go back and give him that payback. Make him look bad. Look, it is pro wrestling one on one, bro. It is. That's how you get. I mean, you know, that's how you get somebody's attention. But
1: you're you're, okay. I'm not saying it's not a fight that wouldn't do well. But you've already got the Colby fight in the in the works, or potentially that's what the UFC is telling us. Which fight is bigger, Edwards versus Masvidal or Colby versus Masvidal? Look, it's the latter of those two by far.
0: I'm not saying I want to see Masvidal Edwards. I'm saying if you're looking at scenarios in which Leon Edwards can get his respect and get the company's attention, uh, you're known mostly now. To be honest for taking that sucker punch from the three-piece Minnesota guy. Uh, why don't you go and give that back to him and then see if you can enter into that discussion. I'm just throwing out scenarios to try to help our guy Leon get the respect he deserves. Um, let's not act like MMA and fight promoting is polite society. It's not, right? This is the game as well, and there are ways to play that game and cut the line. That's maybe one of them, okay? It's not for everybody, Luke, I all mean, right? just
1: understand the rankings here. This is why I don't understand why you wouldn't take the Wonderboy fight. Kamar is your champion. Your number one contender, as the rankings go, for what it's worth, is Colby. Two is Burns. We already sort of know what's up with them. Well, Edwards is sitting at three. Masvidal sitting at four. Yes, you could do that. I don't think it's optimal, but you could. Five is Wonderboy. Why wouldn't you? You have a top five opponent there, ready yeah, to go, right. willing to take it.
0: Why not just take it? That's probably the, that's the middle ground. That's the smartest, safest... That's, that's, the, that's the play if you're Leon Edwards. All right, sitting out, not the play. Complaining any longer, not the play. Um, I don't know. Sliding into uh, Masvidal's girls' DMs might be the play, right? Hitting him with that left hook backstage in front of a camera might be the play. But, uh, you know, it's just me. Uh,
1: well, I'll just say this. Sid, I agree with you. It's like I don't mind fighters sitting out for a little while. but the, And the pandemic, certainly not Leon Edwards' fault or anybody else's. Uh, he's managed by Paradigm, which probably means he won't be going to Alley anytime soon. But the, the real key is a little bit of time off, probably not the end of the world, situation depending. But when you're Leon Edwards and your last win was July of 2019, buddy, I mean, I respect the ability completely. No doubt about it. I've been saying this guy is very, very hard to beat. But you got to get out there. You got to get out there against... At some point, you have to recognize it's not your fault but the pandemic pushed you back a little bit. You're going to have to, as unfair as the world may be, B.C., sometimes you have to recapture things that you already had by no fault of your own.
0: Yep, you got to learn to hold your own. They get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone, right, Jay? (laughs) Oh, Jay's not with us this week. Sorry, sorry. Gaff in our ear. Shout out to Gaff this week in our ear. Uh, All right, B.C., we're
1: we're trying something new here for our next segment on the show. Why don't you take it away, good sir?
0: Yeah, we all know from the comments, if you read them, that Luke is just a a far-left uh, wuss, uh, SJW face, right, yes. Luke? Is that what I would fuck say up.
1: A- anybody who's ever called me that, I would fuck them up in front of their loved ones. But, you wow. know, for the, wow. for, the pur- for, the purposes, for the purposes of this uh, conversation, I'll tolerate it.
0: All right, we have a new segment called, uh, how about it, SJW, Social Justice Wednesdays really aimed at at you know identifying things that happen every other day in both the combat sports world and beyond uh, social media beefs people going back and forth people running their mouth so i want to bring in the honorable luke fauci here to sit on try, sit on on the uh, on the old throne and tell us you know who's right who's wrong who you know who wins on this all right let's start with number 1 beef of the week uh, this is how this whole gilbert burns thing started right Ariel Helwani of ESPN tweeted out, Would, uh, Usman's not ready for the Gilbert Burns fight, but hey, how about we do the, uh, the Leon Edwards Burns fight? It's the number one contender fight, whatever. And that's when the walls of Jericho broke down, Luke. And uh, can we play the next slide? Gilbert jumps in, basically sends Ariel to hell. Why am I going to fight for the number one contention when I've already earned that, etc.? And then the flood games of Ariel versus uh, uh, MMA dominance started coming out. Ali Jesus. throwing shots. I don't know if you saw this, but then DC, Ariel's man, jumps in to defend him, being like, Ali, who are you talking to right now? Um, This thing got a little bit wild here, and it didn't stop there. Ali coming back over the top. Even Marvin Vittori of of look at that the coffee boy he's calling ariel no one no one calls ariel that and gets away with it all right and then we got uh, even marvin vittori coming in over the top and being like i was right about uh ariel all wrong he sucks there you go dc jumping in there as well uh luke uh <laughs> you want to sort this out who's right who's wrong who wins
1: wait you know exactly what happened downtown when people got out of the line at my job rum bay what is that
0: you know, I don't tend to know what what Ali does when people get out of out of line on downtown streets. You know, that's his business. Okay,
1: is Rumbay someplace? place? Rumbay? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't. Well, I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, here's the thing. It's not like number one. We don't know how long Usman's going to be out. If it's like, oh, he'll fight in January or February. You know, Gilbert's point is very well taken. Ariel was trying to argue, what if it's seven months down the line? Do you guys want to wait that long? Because at that point, you're almost back at July again. That would be two years for Edwards if he somehow got a fight, or you know, probably longer than Gilbert wanted to to be out. So it's like here's the thing. I've got my own differences with Ariel, to be quite clear, and I don't think it's any secret, but I take his side in this one. Why is everybody overreacting? to the suggestion of an opinion. And I don't begrudge Ali or certainly Gilbert. I understand his perspective as well. I totally get it. Like Gilbert was, you know, he's dialed in right now and he wants that fight and he was supposed to get in December and, you know, and Ali has differences with him and everything else. I get it. I understand. But it's like, dude, he just stated an opinion. (laughs) He didn't like, he didn't like dig up someone's (laughs) finances and prove that they were cheating on their taxes or here's i hired a private investigator to show you we're fucking around on your wife or he's just, yeah, just like I only hey went zero to 60 not- bro
0: i'll leave zero to 60 right i know now, there's right? the thing they went
1: nuclear over a pretty harmless opinion that's the thing i don't get it's like clearly the issue is not the opinion the issue is something else so if we're just judging it based on the merits of what ariel said i side with ariel i think he i think i don't agree per se but I think that the overreaction, it's like, dude, everyone in MMA, there's no in-between. There's no like, oh, I disagree. It's like, fuck you, die slow. You know, <laughs> eat shit, I'll kill you. It's like, My dude, fourth floor
0: makes, make makes sure all your kids won't grow. Yeah. 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 That's-
1: Uh, it's it's either it's either love songs or diss tracks in mma what was vittori doing just
0: piling on i don't know if you saw vittori he's like bam just piling on. so luke um just to let you know social justice wednesday isn't actually our new segment this is an intervention we actually have ariel waiting on the line and Joanna right after him so hopefully we can (laughs) keep mending bridges um i wanted to point out there how about dc stepping right in for his man right there luke would you would you kill for me? Would you get my back? Because, you know, I don't know if you remember just a month and a half ago, um, yeah. Mike Perry on my own podcast, right? Hung up on me, told me to fuck off, said if he see- sees me, he'll find me. Um, you know, I-, I would hope you would have the same love, respect, loyalty that Daniel Cormier shows for Canada's own Ariel Helwani, that-, that No, for me, I'm going to okay? let
1: you get knocked the fuck out, and then we're going to put that on Have You Seen This Shit so we can narrate it. <laughs>
0: That that is what I deserve Yes, at the end of the day All right, let's go to uh, SJW number 2 In the boxing game, Luke This is an old beef, but it's opening up again We know Gervonta Davis Going to get that Showtime pay-per-view main event Against Leo Santa Cruz Halloween night inside the Alamo Dome Looks like we're going to get a crowd there Ryan Garcia, who who wants that Is now jumping back in Saying uh, a lot of things Uh, Can I go? He went on to say, can we advance the slide here? As he's jumping in on Leonard Ellerby's DMs uh, on his reply there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gervonta uh, and Gira-
0: Good one, Gervonta, but I'll still whoop your ass. Uh, there was another thread there where Rye Guy basically saying, look, Gervonta, keep fighting. uh Wow. How about that? Finish clowning with the uh, with the Paul brothers, you golden girl. That that was not bad there. That was a not bad comeback there from Tank. Raw guy no. back over the top. So that's the key part of the beef here, Luke. Let me jump in and handle this, okay? Keep right. fighting people two sizes too small. I can't wait to be in there with you. There is some criticism against Gervonta. Look, I love this fight against Leo Santa Cruz. This is the best guy on his resume by far. They're meeting in the middle. It's a creative matchup at 130. Both the junior lightweight and lightweight titles will be on the line. I love it. But Gervonta Davis, some of his biggest fights have been against smaller guys. Does Ryan Garcia have any, uh, any leg to stand on in this beef?
1: Dude, this is like... I, I interviewed Gordon Ryan one time, and Gordon Ryan, if you follow him on social media... I don't know how much he does it these days, but for a long time, he was relentlessly mocking almost every day uh, Dylan Dennis Because Dylan Dennis is very, very good, but when it comes to being elite-level black belts, he's not nearly as good as Gordon Ryan. And if you'll notice, Dylan Dennis never responds to him. And Gordon understood this. He's like, he can't respond to me because Dylan has a bigger following than Gordon, but Gordon's way better and knows that if they ever competed, there's almost a guaranteed you know, certainty that Gordon would win. So Gordon can just sort of fire shots. Gervonta is in a similar position with Garcia, but he indulges this guy because Garcia has a huge following, but BC, come on now, stop playing. He's not nearly on the level of tank. And if they fought 2020 or 2021, he is going to get absolutely wrecked unless he makes some kind of well, unbelievable you know, progress.
0: Look, do, what, what I love, Gervonta Davis in that fight, yes, but I think we don't really know yet how good Ryan Garcia is. I know there were some levels of his coming up where he looked like, "Uh, is he going to be vulnerable?" I think since you know teaming up with Eddie Reynoso and Canelo's team, they have added some more defense and wrinkles to him. And here's the thing: he does have explosive speed and confidence in there. You asked me to pick gun to my head. I'm taking Travante by KO. I wanna see that fight. That'd be a monster fight. But I think in the in the realm of who's winning this beef and the back and forth Rock I can't even get himself into the ring. He's constantly fighting with Golden Boy and DAZN. He wants to fight Luke Campbell. They're not paying him enough money for this uh, you know, big fight they're building up, whereas Gervante's, you know, headlining a pay-per-view and getting full support here. So as of right now, I think if you're Gervonta, you're like, you know, pound, pound sand, brother. But Luke, I want to see that. That's a sexy, big-time, cross-the-street type of fight to make you know, in the nearest future.
1: I'll say this. G- uh, Gervonta's doing better in real life. But Garcia, for all the disadvantages that are conferred upon him, he's actually winning the online beef. Now, that will come to a halt if he ever fights Gervonta, and Gervonta knocks his head into the third row. But for this moment, I might have to rule in favor of Garcia, not because he's better, but because he is coming from such a disadvantage, and he's baiting. He's baiting Tank to, to level things with him. It, it, it creates some different
0: impressions. Indeed, indeed. Uh, interesting stuff. Our final beef of the week. Speaking of Mike Perry, Luke, he has an interesting idea This is an on amazing media. story. On Tuesday, I love this. So Mike Perry's going to come back. I don't know the date. But the report is he's going to fight Robbie Lawler, which to me is is a great sloppy welterweight fight. He says, whoever gives me the most money can join me in the corner with Coach Latore, his fiance, Latore <laughs> Gonzalez, who uh, I know not fiance. I'm sorry. I, I'm not aware of their uh, entanglements with a ring or not, but I know that she is, you know, uh, carrying main his child squeeze. right now. Yeah, his main squeeze, his baby mama, all that stuff. So, Luke, let's just start right here before we advance the, the slides. All right. Um, and it goes on here with Darren Till, but that's a really cool idea. I hope UFC doesn't get in the way and stop this. Like That's one of the coolest ideas ever. Like You're a super fan out there? Put up the money. You can join me and be my coach in the corner. Perry's a genius, Luke.
1: First of all, auctioning off a cornerman spot has got to be one of the most amazing ideas I'd never... How did we not think of this before? It is so genius to the point... Where haven't they started? Didn't Darren Till or something start a GoFundMe to raise money
0: for this? Yeah, well, I want I want to get to the the beef here in a second, but just in terms of the idea, it's it's amazing. And look, It's 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 a it's carnival, it's circus. But that's Mike Perry. He's got his pregnant baby mama as his lead trainer. I mean, look, it's you know he's got tattoos on all over his body. You know what this is? All right, let's advance it now. Darren Till jumps in and basically says, "Look." i'll pay anything i'll start a go fund me i'm willing to pay up to five grand then we saw i think it was one of the kawa brothers jump in and say look i got nfl guys offering big time money and then darren till did darren till things on twitter and really started coming at uh mike perry as we advanced the slides here um talking about his baby mama okay mike came back with a nice little uh you got sent to hell by masvidal throwing the towel And then we started talking about each other's ladies, okay? There's a little comeback there from Till. Can we keep going? And uh, (laughs) so I love Mike's comeback. He's like, you know, that's all fine, but let's see what you're banging. Let's see your baby mama, because here's mine right here. And then Till comes back and says, this is my future baby mama right here. And then we get into Darren Till doing what he does, which is putting faces over other people's memes. And there's Mike's ex-wife. Ooh, the Platinum Princess. Dude, this... this. I
1: mean, y'all are trying to play and, the dozens. Y'all are trying to play the dozens with these dudes from Liverpool. Don't do it. Don't do uh, yeah, it. Yeah,
0: but them are fighting words. Platinum Mike not happy, and now he's talking about English women here, Luke, okay? <laughs>
1: all right. You know what? Mike Perry, I mean... You know, he's I a hope this ends co-
0: in a fight. Okay, this has to end in a fight, first of all. It has to, and I hope it does um yeah they're still going right here we're still going back and forth here uh look this is uh this is like you know a 10-8 round in terms of dare tell handling him on social oh man you
1: know know, nobody in england posts their girlfriends wonder why they all post mine talking about mine lol that's because you're the only ones who use the word wanker because it's all you do wank off to pictures because the birds on that side have the flu yeah not so great not the best trash
0: talk so um what's the best case scenario because Mike Perry draws eyes, right? You know, he just got that he had that co main event with Mickey Gall and like people cared. He draws eyes, Luke. If you're UFC and you want to partner in on this idea, can we actually get there until? Is that possible?
1: I mean, no, because number one, the commission has to um Dog Pro.
0: <laughs> That's Kendra Lutz jumping in. I know.
1: Luke. I know, I know. She's a huge MMA fan. Uh Dude, she here's the deal. likes grappling
0: of all kinds. I heard Luke.
1: Here's the deal. It's like it's not merely that Darren's insults are better. It's that it's that it's that Darren is the one who clearly has the other guy upset. You know, Mike Perry gets mad, and Darren Till just keeps finding new ways to throw gasoline on the fire. You can't play the dozens with this guy. He's just too funny. I mean, when he came out and said, you know, okay, now that I'm the one who'll be in the corner, who's going to pay me money to throw in the towel? Dude, I was hooting and hollering over here laughing my ass off because that is hysterical. He'll take any opportunity to be like, okay, I'm not playing, I'm not playing. Ah, I'm playing, bitch. He is constantly that guy. The, the, the trick for Mike Perry, you got to block these guys and just focus on, you know. The well, it helps that
0: Till from. would beat him in a fight, right? So you can talk that kind of trash when you can... You can back it up in the streets or in the cage. I'm assuming. But I mean, look, Mike Perry does have experience knocking out old guys. But uh, Luke, what is a good case scenario here to make this, uh, you know, to, to really make this a circus extravaganza? Do you go the celebrity route? Do you go the, you know, little kid, old guy route? What do you go? How about bringing back the old guy that he knocked out to be his coach in the corner? How about, um, you know, a, you like a celebrity here? You like the Just Bleed guy? Where are you going?
1: Do you go YouTube star, or do you go, like, Frank Shamrock? Like, who are you trying to piss off is really the key question.
0: yeah. I don't think if you're Mike Perry, though, given his um, things outside the cage that can prevent him from getting fights, you know, UFC has, has supported him, it seems, despite his uh, craziness. I don't think you want to piss off the, the management, right?
1: No. So he'd probably, I mean, I don't know. You got to get, um, get Ryan Garcia. I don't know. Some shit like that. Get some... Who is, uh, who's like a famous internet troll? I got like, not troll, but like, uh, you know, Mr. Beast from YouTube who can blow up your spotlight like that? Mr. Beast is always like, I gave my friends all, you know, purple colored Lambos. Here's the video. It's like, well, one second. You can't just donate money to be in Mike Perry's corner and then make a Mr. Beast YouTube video about it, blow up Mike Perry's spotlight. I think that might be pretty good.
0: Uh, at what point should LaTori not be carrying the spit bucket when she's this much pregnant though, Luke?
1: Uh, at what point does your wife just like say, you know, I'm not going to walk around anymore. My wife was pretty active all the way through the pregnancy.
0: We had, we, I've only got, I've got two kids, they're twins and, uh, they were born four, four and a half months premature, which is ah. insane. So I didn't have the traditional experience.
1: I see. Well, my wife was pretty active all the way through. Spit is not that hard to carry getting up the stairs. You know, I wouldn't ask you to do it more than once. So she's
0: probably fine. I like to see the Platinum Princess back in there. there. There, there's a reality show waiting to happen. Okay, Luke. Thank you, thank you. That's what we got this week for SJW. Uh, let's 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 move on, please.
1: Uh, all right. Well, now it's time for a segment that we are tentatively, and I do mean tentatively, calling "Going Deep." It's so where we do a bit of a deep dive on one topic, but a topic maybe with many, many different tentacles. Uh, Colby Covington obviously coming off the great win over Tyron Woodley. He was most recently in the news, not for MMA reasons per se, but because he was actually at the last debate between President Trump and then former Vice President Joe Biden. You can actually hear him when the debate is over sort of scream, I think, what was it? Uh, best president uh, ever or so, some kind of plot it, um, but it was clearly him and you can actually see him in the audience. Since then, he put out a message, BC, on social media saying um, he does not have COVID. We don't know if that's actually true, but let's say for the sake of argument that it is. And um, that, you know, he is going to, he's sort of celebrating the healthy return that, I don't know how healthy it actually is, but the return to the Oval Office uh, of President Trump. And, um, you know, all the people who have been speaking ill of him will get theirs in the end. But it raises an interesting question, BC. It's one that I've been asked, and I don't think I've given a very good answer to, so I'd like to do it here today the election for go ahead i'm sorry
0: i said please do luke
1: yeah the election for president is less than a month away for folks who may not realize that it's less than a month this is not something i would i wish to have as a uh, overtly political discussion in fact i don't think that it will be but it does have some tie-ins because bc you watch pro wrestling i don't maybe you can think of an example that will help us better understand this whether you like trump or not is irrelevant what is relevant is that Colby Covington has tied his identity to a political actor. And a political actor, at least in theory, will have their fortunes change day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, but substantially over the course of elections. And there are two different scenarios I guess I'd like to imagine. One in which Trump loses the election, we'll start with that one first, and then one where he wins. Because I actually do think that's a separate and important part of the conversation as well. But first, let's go to the other one. BC, have you ever seen somebody tie their fortunes and their, not really their fortunes, really, their identity to some outside actor, some outside figure that has really uncertain futures? Because that's really what this is all about. Is there anything in pro wrestling that reminds you what we're seeing here?
0: I mean, maybe, uh, you know, ahead of... Uh, WrestleMania Seven, when Sergeant Slaughter, that that dirtbag turned uh, turncoat and joined the, uh, the Iranian <laughs> military, Luke, uh, for the big showdown with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7, mm-hmm. all right? He was really playing up the Gulf War, right, during that point. But no, this is real life. And by the way, I like you referring to politicians as actors. That's my territory, Luke, okay? Bo- both sides are fake. This is they're, they're selling you uh, up the river here, Luke, to try to believe that this stuff is real. Yeah. Um, really? No, there is no one person who has ever tied his boat to something in his shtick and his personification of what makes him famous more right now than Colby and Donald Trump. So, Luke, how important is November 3rd to the future of Colby's career from a marketing standpoint? Is it is it winner go home?
1: Here, Here's the thing I just find so interesting. Ch- Colby started out as the guy who was spoiling... Star Wars and Spider-Man or whatever it was. I think there was another one he spoiled as well. And I actually found that more hilarious because if you looked at his mentions, it was just everybody in MMA didn't matter. The political affiliation super bitter at him. I found that to be very funny, but he morphed that into basically being the Trump world mascot in MMA. He wears the hat all the time. He's reading the book at the press conferences. There's anytime he does an interview, He's wearing some kind of Trump shirt. There's the Trump letter over his shoulder, right? It's it's at all times Trump symbolism in, in your face. Again, it's not about a good or bad. It's just it is what it is. But he got in on it at basically what, what could be the high watermark of it. I mean, right now, Trump is, in fact, president. I don't know if he'll win on November 3rd. But right now, that is the most powerful office in the land. That is that is the apex leader of the free world for better or for worse. And so to have an association with that, dude, it has a lot of dividends. You get to go to the Oval Office. He's on ESPN, and the President of the United States is calling him on the phone, and he gets to pick it up and answer on live television. Dude, that is powerful. That is very, very powerful. And I can understand why you might want those associations. That's not to say he doesn't have actual political agreement with Trump, but that power and that status it is that imprimatur of the presidential seal on everything that he does, and then, to an extent, to, depending on what you want to believe in, the success of the larger Trump family. Well, that, that's that's got to be intoxicating for somebody to have that kind of arm, so to speak, put around you. But the problem is, it's incredibly fleeting. Now, we will get to a scenario, as I mentioned, where he wins. But here's the thing, BC. If he loses, um, and if there is a, peaceful transference of power which at this point you know i guess we'll have to see exactly what happens let's assume that it does you have to ask yourself what happens to the trump brand afterwards and i don't want to get nakedly political here but you have to ask some of these questions which is to say even today bc you had a uh, a federal court rule that essentially a new york prosecutor can take a look at trump's taxes there was a report by and by the way, Sy Vance is looking at them, and so is Tish James and many other prosecutors at various levels of the government in New York, looking after his finances to see if there's any actually illegal activity. More on more to that point. If you look at the licensing uh, agreements that he made by virtue of the New York Times reports, we're talking upwards of four hundred million dollars he was able to make off the Trump name. Can you still do that if you're a one term president? So it gets to a point where after he becomes, if he if he doesn't get reelected. You have to ask yourself, to what extent do Trump's misfortunes, should they happen, does that affect Colby's identity? Because he's not a right-leaning fighter, BC. He is the Trump mascot. And so tying your fortunes to that guy, if he A, loses an election, and then B, faces any kind of criminal prosecution or some kind of status decline, I think that could have profound impacts on how he's viewed.
0: A hundred percent. So, like, like, let's be honest here. The origin of this is, you know, and, and Colby tells his own sort of... Uh Creation story, and you know, you can argue if it's completely true, but you know that after a boring win in which he wrestled early in his UFC run, that that uh, UFC Matchmaker said we're not going to resign, we're not going to you know sign you to a new contract, win or lose, entering your last fight, and that was when it all got into his head. You know, I need something different. And look, you know, I talk, you know, two three years ago, even to people close to ATT, and they've said straight up, you know, behind the scenes that it's a Dan Lambert creation. Dan Lambert's the wrestling super fan. He's the guy with the room in his house. You know, the ATT founder with all the legendary wrestling belts that he's collected he actually had a pretty good run on impact wrestling a couple years back as a heel when they had that mma invasion for bobby lashley which colby and and uh gleason tebow and others were actually a part of um but colby you know he rode that pretty damn well and he got himself into a title fight with usman but i thought that was going to be the turning point luke because do you remember he did that interview ahead of time with the um with the uh uh republican female who am i thinking of
1: oh um The African-American lady? um, Yes. Candace Owens.
0: And he seemed in that moment to do the, you know, and Chael got on him for it, a lot of other people did, to do the cardinal sin in in pro wrestling shtick, which is, you know, break kayfabe and basically admit this is an act and I did this to save myself. And suddenly, Colby's changing his story from lead agitator, you know, trash-talking troll to almost like, you know, underdog hero. I thought he was going to stay in that direction. He didn't talk hella trash with Usman leading into that build. We didn't see them fight in the buffet line like they almost did before that fight happened. Luke, it was almost a boring build and then obviously a great, exciting fight. But he's doubled down since then. And maybe it was smart to double down because we're entering not only an election season, but like, you know, the all time, uh, you know, craziest one in terms of people being this passionate and, you know, Puff Daddy, vote or die, brother, and all that wildness, Luke. I mean, good God, the NBA Finals have vote on the back of the uniforms. I mean, it's a it's a time like no other, Luke. But I do think it's all or nothing here. Um, I'm not going to compare Donald Trump and Joe Exotic exactly. But remember when Tiger King came out, it was freaking the best thing ever for like two weeks. I even bought two T-shirts, Luke. You ever try to wear a Tiger King T-shirt like six months later? It just feels weird, right? It's over. The joke's over, right? We lived it. It's good. You can't do the red hat anymore if Trump loses here. That doesn't mean that Colby still can't be a popular fighter. That doesn't mean he can't be a contending title fighter. But there is a now a next level sort of marketing star asterisk attached to him. I don't care if you love it or not. When the president can call you on live TV, when you can have him tweeting out, you know, good luck to Colby coming. like that matters. That's a giant ordeal. It also kind of matters for the UFC in terms of how they market and use him knowing that he's, you know, got that brand on him. If that's gone, Luke, it's going to have to be more about Colby, the fighter and the real person on the inside. If Biden wins this election, I don't know if he could keep that up. Does he give up the shtick at that point? Does he stop trying to be the agitator or uh, where else could he go?
1: Here's the thing that's interesting to me. It's like, let's talk about some other people who are very pro-Trump. Dana White, right? Dana White, I mean, speaking quite literally on his behalf at not the first, but even the second Republican National Convention. But if I had to ask you, forget about his Trump support, who is Dana White? You could probably give me a pretty good answer. UFC president, longtime fight promoter, blah, 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 blah. Jorge Masvidal, forget about his Trump support for just a second. And unfortunately for him, uh, you know, the president got COVID, so they couldn't do that bus tour, you know, which would have, I think, enmeshed him to a degree with the, with the Trump brand as well. But um, you could still say street Jesus, you know, the uh, sort of the, the Cuban, well, actually that's, uh, that's uh, Romero, the Cuban muscle crisis. But, um, you know, he still has some kind of identity absent that. For Colby, the whole thing for him is, again, this is not a referendum on Trump's identity per se, It's just a question of who are you without it now bc here's the part i'm trying to think of can you pivot out of this in a way that fans might find authentic i know in pro wrestling it's all of a sudden like some guy goes from being a villain all his life to all of a sudden boom overnight now he's the greatest or uh quite the opposite you could be you know good and all you know in an instant storylines change and you're bad can you do that in MMA? I'm not saying it's good or bad, just from X to Y, from black to white, to white well, to black. Well,
0: look, let's present it like it is. Uh, it was a heel turn when he became this gimmick, right? I mean, he yeah, got but hold he on. the but, filthy it's, b-
1: but it's but it's not. It's a heel turn in the sense that he was polarizing, but it's very different than the heel turn he made when he was sending out the spoilers because he got a whole side of people to then support him. He got this whole uh, uh, part of America, quite frankly, that pays attention to it anyway, that said, you know what, I identify with that guy. So it was and it wasn't.
0: Well, look, it, you know, for pro wrestling terms, it was it was a heel turn. He was a kind of a nobody. He started to get people to hate him and want want to hate him, and that's how he got popular through that. It also helps that you're, he's a really good fighter and started climbing the the ranks there. Um, in pro wrestling terms, if he's going to try to do a face turn after this election in pro wrestling, you do it by go rescuing the hero. So I don't know if there's any scenario in 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 real MMA where that's possible, where he comes running in the cage to rescue somebody. I just find it really interesting in this regard with the whole idea of this heel turn because hes it's annoying. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. He's ridden it really far. Like if I'm grading this heel turn, it's wildly successful. He's got the president calling him. He showed up at the damn uh, debate, as you mentioned, could be heard on camera yelling. And the fact that he makes you rub your fingers down, you know, chalkboard feeling, whether you're, you know, pro or against, just because of how corny at times his shtick can be, the fact that it elicits those emotions out of you in pro wrestling terms means that it works, means that he's winning. I don't actually think there's a real life pivot here, Luke. I don't think there's there's a way to, to keep that level of celebrity for him and be able to do that, whether it's, you know, attempt to turn good guy or anything here, unless there's some... Is there a villain in UFC that people hate so badly that they'd love to see Colby call out and go after? I don't think so.
1: Not yet. I I want to say this too. I mean, MMA media has been very much in denial about how much Colby has ridden this to a successful uh, conclusion or level. Now, has he become Brock Lesnar in terms of pay-per-view sales? No. Is he the, the ratings juggernaut that, I don't know, some other fighter might be when you put him on television? I'm not suggesting that. But what he did was, he not only asked a certain part of the world, or I should say America, to identify with him, but he asked a portion of America that feels like sometimes the world is a little bit against them, and he represented them proudly and without any equivocation, quite blatantly, and it's a world that is both inside MMA, but also very far outside of MMA. And if you're out there at the debates, and the president's calling you on national television, and you're a very good fighter, and you can use that to... Um, You know, he's getting on shows that most fighters don't get on. Dude, it quite obviously worked. And I don't know why media has had trouble saying that up until now. They find every sort of little excuse, oh, the Lawler fight didn't do good ratings. Dude, the Lawler fight was in 3 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon. And again, I'm not suggesting it has resulted in popularity as a, I want to put down money to see that guy or to see that guy get knocked out, which maybe is the ultimate litmus test. But in terms of like how visible he was before to how visible he is now, It's a dramatic upgrade. It's a huge upgrade, and there's just no getting around it.
0: So maybe the only face turn Luke is to go out there and start supporting fighter pay and coming back at Dana. Maybe if he turns on Dana, that's the ultimate sort of pro wrestling window of how he turns it back. Good, but uh, keep going where you were going.
1: Well, I was just going to say if you think about other people that MMA fans have hated as fighters, like a Josh Koscheck, he sort of morphed at the end there. To something of an elder statesman, even Michael Bisping for a time was a little bit of a heel, uh, and then all of a sudden turned into an elder, uh, elder statesman. To the point where Bisping was even like, "I don't even know how the fuck it happened. I just people just started liking me all of a sudden." I don't know that I foresee that for Colby, because independent of the Magershtik, like separate from that, he's doing stuff like you know, Khabib is a you know engages in all kinds of unspeakable acts with animals, or you know. Making fun of Dustin Poirier with sort of uh, gross verbiage, and he's a very well liked fighter. Maybe he can just keep that up. Is that a thing he can do? Just being shitty to everybody.
0: Yeah, a shitty person works if you just want to stay a sort of uh, you know generic heel. I want to ask you though. All right, short of saving his job, and maybe it did. Maybe it did save his job. Um, where would he be today though? If he hadn't fully embraced the the political side of it, because there was a time where it wasn't so much about politics and it was more about, uh, you know, oh, these Brazilians are filthy. You know, he was, he was, he, oh, was he
1: was Dennis the Menace. That's who he was. Yeah. He was Dennis the
0: Menace. You know, where would he be right now? Would he have been? Would he have gotten all the uh, opportunity he had up to this point? As much as we say this was a great victory for him, he has succeeded in making this gimmick work and getting fairly popular out of it would his ability have gotten here anyway?
1: His ability would have gotten him pretty far. How far, it's hard to say. Um, you know, when Verdun was chucking boomerangs at him, that had a pretty interesting effect too, right? It wasn't like people weren't paying attention. But it changed, right? Because when he started becoming out of super pro MAGA, you had a lot of other fighters been like, you know what, I thought I hated Colby. I'm pretty pro MAGA too. And so a lot of that kind of tension went away. Um, I tend to think he still would have gotten pretty far, but I don't think that the level of uh, attention that he got would be the same. And by the way, not all the attention is good. You know, calling Brazilians filthy animals, uh, making the smokestack, uh, smoke signal argument or claim against you know uh, Usman—these are just call them what they are. It's racist as shit, but. At the same time, there's just a level of visibility that was afforded to him because there were people shining spotlights on him due to his advocacy that ordinarily would not have. But by hook or by crook, he was going to find a way, to be clear. Now, it leads me it to the is, second... It's
0: interesting. If, if Trump wins the election, we assume him to sort of ride out over the next four years of, of Colby's career this idea that he's, you know, this red hat wearing guy. He may also become a babyface through that. You know, they're all, they're, you know, like you said, there is a large amount of people. I mean, if if, if a large amount of people vote this man in as president again, Luke, there, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an idea there that maybe uh, Colby turns babyface through that. What do you like about this idea, though? If Trump loses the election and let's say Colby is unsuccessful in in winning the Walter White title outright, do you think there's a secondary run in his career as a Chael Sonnen esque type? Troll is what you're saying, just kind of being shitty and going after people. I mean, look, Sunin got his popularity by going after the beloved Anderson Silva and and sort of you know pressing the right buttons and doing that. It, it, who's his Anderson Silva? Can he do that to Connor? Is you know if we're looking at this as wrestling, where you're like, okay, I got this aging superstar who's the perfect villain. I got to try to match him up with this guy. I can make money here. I got to match him up with here. Do you think it, it, it's going after Connor or going after the Diaz brothers or going after a, a fighter that more people love than hate? And trying to purposely be the Chael son and bad guy in those scenarios.
1: You know, Usman seems to be his his muse one way or the other. I don't think there's any kind of analogous thing. Chael also, you know, did it, was never overtly political and still had this ability to capture an audience. I don't know. Again, there's a debate about to which extent Colby has the same kind of powers. I just don't think it would work out the same way. He doesn't have quite the same overt pulling the pro wrestling strings. Ability. Um, I don't think he has the
0: wit. He doesn't have the wit of a Chel Sonnen, right?
1: And it's not even exactly humorous. It's only humorous for how insulting it is, you know. And even then, he's dialed even some of that back. Like remember when people would miss weight, even when he was doing the stick, he would still go after them. He doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't really go after. He has much bigger. I mean, when he went after LeBron James, they were comparing not LeBron James and Kobe per se, but they were sort of talking about this juxtaposition on first take. He's realized you got to have huge targets. So he's not even really focused on MMA targets for the most part. It's, it's more about the larger culture wars, and he sees himself as sort of an avatar for one of the soldiers. Um, all right, but it leads me to a, a question now about the other side of the coin, B.C. What happens if Trump wins? And I want to say it in the same way we talked about with Biden, where it's a reasonably normal election with reasonably normal results, and Trump wins outright in a way that is reasonably without controversy. Right? Let's imagine that, because there could be a million different spaces in between, but let's imagine that. That has to be an unbelievable boost for him because you got four more years, 32 years of age. He'd be 36 by the time that the the president would be done. You would have built this goodwill where now, I mean, you know this as well as I do, being a one-term president can be devastating for your historical record. Getting two doesn't absolve you from all of the different blame or it doesn't absolve you from having your sort of name stock decline but it puts you in an elite uh, status. It gives you a way for the faithful to look back fondly upon you for a very long time. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. It seems very uncertain these days, especially with the pandemic. But if he wins outright, that is something that Colby is going to be able to ride, I think, not merely for the next four years, BC, maybe the next 40. That is something he might be able to ride for as long as he has a professional and public life. Do you agree?
0: I do. I do agree. He's got to be able to stay winning. He's got to be able to, I mean, there has to be a monster win, whether it's winning the welterweight championship or it's, again, getting him cooked up in some type of celebrity feud against a Connor type that that he would end up winning to sort of uh, keep his relevancy. Because look, at any shtick is great until you suffer losses, right? Then it doesn't work. But he would have the opportunity few have had. To to really ride, you know the 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 joining. I mean, it's almost like marrying Beyonce or something. If you know, it, it, it's that level of stardom and it just lifting you up. It would be fairly interesting. I mean, do you think? How close do you think he is to his leveling out ceiling of us finding out how great he can be? Can he win a welterweight championship, Luke?
1: I think he can. I don't know that he will, but you know, again, we go back to that fight with Usman. It was one three three one two two heading into the fifth. I mean. That was basically anybody's fight, right? I mean, something like that. He had a real opportunity to take that from him. And Usman was the better guy that day. But I think if Colby had fought a little bit more, um, you know, in a more of a diverse way, I honestly think he maybe could have beaten him. But this is what makes the rematch so exciting. You saw Colby lose his shit when they were going back and forth at each other on that sort of split screen that they did after his last win over Woodley. And you could see that he was pissed and the fire was real. He was still on the adrenaline of having beat Woodley. I mean, Woodley is funny. We all thought that the Woodley versus Colby fight was the one to make. We were actually kind of concerned how the promotion might be that these were the, the two rivals that would define this generation of welterweights. It turns out not really. turns out it's going to be Usman probably and Colby. Maybe Gilbert Burns wins. I
0: don't know. But it doesn't have the same kind of heat. But if, if well, look, Usman needs him to a certain degree, right? Commercially, you need your, you know, he'll be his Huckleberry. Imagine if they end up getting a title trilogy out of this; that could right. be fairly interesting. Uh, right? Like uh, they have
1: they have this like chapter of the welterweight division together. You can't talk about one without the other, and maybe Colby Jones
0: in D.C. I mean, look, you know, right. Sonnen fought Silva twice and lost both but he's still you know that's what made him so look Colby does have this potential Luke to go down like Chael Sonnen as one of the greatest salesmen a guy who look you can't get to that level of salesmanship unless your ability is there but a guy who was able to elevate his status so much higher than he would have with a different persona there may be there may be a Chael like ending for him in that regard and that's fair,
1: you know let me pitch this to you BC let's say Trump wins the election uh, and again, in a normal, reasonably non-controversial way, and Colby goes on to win a title. Can he naturally outgrow what he has with this sort of representative of Trump world? Can he be something more than that without ever actually like leaving it, but like maybe adding on to the identity? Can he do that?
0: Well, that uh, yeah. So the add on would be a cleverly smart face turn. Because again, if Trump gets re-elected a second time, there's a fairly loud majority saying that they're pro almost everything that the MAGA red hat brings to the table. So there is the idea of Colby can win the championship, bring it to the Oval Office and, and do that whole shtick that he turns babyface out of that. And then, you know, gets himself into a fight, if it's possible, with with someone who other people don't like at all. And, you know, look, it's happened. I even think Floyd Mayweather, who was sort of a purposeful villain most of his career in order to get you to pay to try to see him lose. There were times I thought he was attempting sort of heel turn, suddenly very humble and glowing with the media. Uh, You know, I I wonder if there's an angle there to get out of the idea of I'm just this this top shelf agitator. Um, Look, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin as a good guy was really a a good guy doing bad things, right? You know, drinking beer, pouring it over. Beer. I mean, look, there's there's a way to pull this off. I don't know, though. I don't know how long Colby can, can win on this super elite level, though, and carry that shtick going. It's going to be fun to find out, though.
1: We, did, we didn't actually talk about it, but what if, uh, going back to the original part of the conversation, what if Trump loses, but then Colby becomes champion? Is that the moment where he can say, okay, I wrote this thing out as far as it's going to go, net, net, it was kind of a win, now i'm a champion i can use this as some kind of launch pad for a way to pivot or redefine it seems like if anything is going to give you a new way to look at you it's a ufc belt wrapped around your waist
0: i got it be instead of going maga go go uh uh, what's that guy's name robs john kamanu that guy oh roms (laughs) on become Rob's John Kadyrov's caddy that's the only way that that Colby can take this villainous political gimmick and just rise it right back up to a whole new level Luke okay there it is right there
1: thank you yeah Luke. it's gonna be super interesting to see you know that way, ends
0: he's... with a fight against Habib in Moscow you know how that ends that story that's how that ends That, that yeah gimmick. yeah uh, by
1: you. the way do you think uh you think he actually has
0: COVID or no yeah, I don't know, Luke. I don't know what's real and what's not anymore, okay? All right? Yeah, a, lot of, these, yeah, a lot of those dogs in that orbit who got COVID. I thought I had COVID when I went to the ER the day after our drinking episode COVID at the too. turn of the new year, but the antibody test said I didn't. I think there was uh, something happened, all right? Something happened that day. Was Beyond it AIDS? You Did you have like AIDS? Beyond you acting like an old bitch because the, the, the public transportation system got me there late. Good Lord, Luke.
1: Yeah, yeah wow. my, fault, my fault for getting up at 4.30 and you still being late. My bad. My bad about that. Uh, okay. Uh, for folks who like the episode, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. One more reminder, tomorrow, 3 p.m., right here, we're doing a live chat, bitches. So don't go anywhere. Odds and MK ends real content. quick, Luke. Odds yes. and ends. All right, brother? Oh, yeah, hold on. I just want to remind him. Uh, now that I'm here. Live chat tomorrow, 3 p.m. But before we... Call it a day. Odds and ends, good sir. What do you have?
0: Uh, Look, Wednesday night, that's tonight as we record this, 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. It's Showbox, the new generation. And look, this is a legit prospect in the main event. Junior middleweight Charles Conwell, former Olympian. He's 12-0 with nine KOs out of Cleveland. Unfortunately, he is best known for that fight last October when he knocked out Patrick Day in Chicago. Day was unconscious. Four days later, died in the hospital. Look, Luke, there are many fighters who don't come back from this. You know, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, the Hall of Famer, right? When he was in that brawl with Duku Kim, he'll tell you himself he was never the same after that. I give Conwell a lot of credit with how he's handled the burden of this. No one ever asks to be the guy who lives in a fight like this. You know what I mean? Like, I can't even, um, unspeakable sort of guilt. He had said, you know, he, he came back last February. It was his first fight back. He won by stoppage. Uh, Conwell had basically said... Um, he was in a real bad, bad place emotionally trying to deal with that, all that. He has dedicated the rest of his career to Patrick Day. He's got a very interesting main event. You know how Showbox does this, Luke? It, they match him tough, okay? Conwell coming in undefeated. He's facing Hades Wendy Toussaint, who is and 12-0 with five knockouts, a 28-year-old. Uh, Conwell only 22, a true rising prospect. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes out of this battle. Uh, and Toussaint, my- by the way, Toussaint's tall for the division, and he sparred with Derevinchenko ahead of this fight, so uh should be a good one.
1: For my odds and ends, they have not actually filed suit, as far as I am aware, but Lance Palmer and I believe Kayla Harrison, some other ones, maybe not Kayla, but certainly Lance Palmer, and uh, well, maybe Kayla too, I'm not sure. Let's start with Lance Palmer. He has threatened to sue the PFL uh, because he is claiming that they have kept him from making money during a short career window by virtue of delaying their season. You'll recall they were already supposed to be in the season. Rory McDonald was supposed to be there, not in his division, but you know it's part of this whole uh, effort. And they had to cancel it or postpone it, depending on your perspective, to the, f- to the next year because of COVID. Well, he is now saying, look at all these other promotions. They've gotten going. They've been able to work this out. They've been able to figure out a way... I'm just sitting on the shelf. I can't make money. I don't know exactly what kind of law he's saying that PFL broke or what kind of agreement in the contract that they didn't uphold. I guess we'll see if they actually go through with the lawsuit. But there are a lot of people in PFL who aren't happy, and Palmer has been a staple of that organization. I think winning, the, uh, winning it a couple of times, certainly making a ton more money there than he might have otherwise. But he's pissed, BC, and he wants out.
0: Yeah, I want to see how this ends up because, you know, PFL had made that early decision to just kind of forego the season and not try to work this out. I know they're trying to get good PR, just put out a a release that they'd sign some new fighters, uh, you know, some UFC cast off Shaman Marias, a- among them. But um, it doesn't feel great for PFL at the moment here, Luke. I know they, just, they signed Rory McDonald. I know there's, you know, some things to like about their seasonal format here, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't have a law enough uh, background to figure this out. But you want to fight? The promotion won't let you. There's an issue there.
1: I mean, here's the thing. When they initially delayed their season and then gave everyone a stipend, there's a lot of people who are like, wow, that was really a smart move by PFL because Lord knows we had no idea when things were going to get back to normal. They were trying to give people some money in the interim. But then two things have happened since then. One, they found out to make that stipend possible, they had to cut a shitload of fighters on the roster. And then number two, uh, it looks like they misjudged, now, not necessarily by any fault of their own, but they misjudged how long it was going to take to find a workable solution to put on events in a COVID era. And now they're stuck with these dates that are not for a long time. And now they got fighters on the shelf being like, "Well, what the fuck? I want to make some money. It's a it's a difficult situation for them. I I understand Lance's point, and I don't know what the PFL could have done differently other than wait longer. It's just you in really the PFL,
0: tough. Luke. What does the PFL have to do to to, to get you to care?
1: I mean, they, they, look, they put on occasionally. In, I'm not going to badmouth them. They put on occasionally interesting fights, and so occasionally I tune in. That's about it.
0: All right. All All right. right? It's a good proofing uh, ground for young Ali fighters, right?
1: Uh, it's a great way for fighters who ordinarily would not necessarily make a ton of money to make a ton of money, so I like that. Uh, Kayla Harrison, so far, has had a decent uh, opportunity to get some practice there. I like that. Um, they've got some interesting fighters that they've pulled from parts of Russia. That's cool. You know, Some names have gotten popular there that ordinarily would not have. Rory McDonald might find... I mean, there's things to like about it, but event over event, do I like get up for it? No, not really
0: okay okay uh luke to close here can we pour one out for the great eddie van halen um yeah you know we just had this whole talk about you know celeb deaths happen and i'm like you know i never knew that guy i'm not that torn you know shout out to him and his family but you know i feel like i knew eddie van halen i mean i can't even tell you the role he played uh in my music journey at multiple stops this one was a tough one you know of uh of throat cancer and uh what was he 56 65 that's, that's it was, Sixty-five? Did you say? Yeah. All right. Um, it hurts. All right. Yeah. I always said if I was a fighter, my walkout song would be Mean Street by Van Halen with that freaking heavy ass riff. I mean, um, I could say a million great things about him, Luke. I'm I'm mourning. I'm mourning the. I'm mourning it. All right. I'm not gonna put yeah. all these video links and tweets about how much this guy meant to me, but I'm mourning it, Luke. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I can't. I, and I can't. And I won't pretend to be the biggest uh, Van Halen fan. But like, if you grew up. When we did, where we were little kids in the '80s and then came of age in the '90s, dude, it's impossible to understand music at that time without Van Halen. They were they were quintessential '80s. They had some of the most important hits in the early '90s. Uh, Eddie Van Halen reworking "Beat It" by Michael Jackson, just absolute titans of those decades. Important for any number of reasons, and in the case of Van Halen, like a legit virtuoso. Uh, on the guitar, um,
0: oh, brought, brought a brought a classical background, and was like no one, no one had his chops and and technique and ability to make really since Hendrix make the, that instrument, make sounds that people had never heard before. So, uh, yeah. look, I got MTV in 1984. That's, you know, that's the last David the Roth album that all, that all had all the videos and the big hits. We talked about some of the best vid- music videos in history. How about Hot for teacher by Van Halen oh. among the greatest, uh, music videos of all time. So, uh, oh. yeah, we're mourning it here. Now, you know, I, I even, I even had a run with Van Hagar. I'm not recognizing the Gary Sharon era though. All right. Sorry. Yeah, we
1: can skip, we can skip that one. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, If you want to try Showtime, because, by the way, there's going to be fights on tonight, you can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, keep it. If not, it's okay. You're a loser. We we understand there's losers out there. Uh, Let's see. We are on social media, BC. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And, of course, uh, there's the show if you want to buy some merch. uh, We are on YouTube. Give that video a thumbs up right here. Hit that subscribe button. Lots more content coming your way tomorrow, 3 p.m., the live chat Friday show, where we'll preview. Let's see, there's Bellator over the weekend. By the way, Sanhagen, Marais, this weekend, BC. Pretty, yes. pretty excited about that.
0: MV, we got MVP for Bellator fighting in Paris. We got uh, Sergey Lipinets on Showtime. A little, little bit of a sleepy weekend, sneaking in some good fights there. I'm very excited here. Obviously, next week, a lot of big stuff. Lomachenko Lopez, yeah, yeah. Injected right here, Luke. I'm getting fired up, all right?
1: And then last but not least, we have an email, morningcombat at gmail.com. Morningcombat at gmail.com. If you want to send us a note about anything, especially if for things we got wrong, we will do... Uh, wrong slide. We will do dead wrong on Friday. And I believe we have some imaging for it that we will debut on Friday at the time. There's the email. Yeah, right Please
0: do your homework for Friday. It is re-watching the 1997 featherweight title bout. Prince Nassim Hamed versus Kevin Kelly, Madison Square Garden. You can find uh, many a replay on YouTube for the full fight. Make sure like I mentioned, you get the ones that have the full walkout and entrance the pre-fight hype the post-fight interviews it's all on youtube check it out we're going to be reliving that uh, there ain't nothing like a prince not fight there ain't nothing there ain't nothing like it
1: there you have it all right we appreciate you guys watching today you have your homework you have your assignments i will talk to you at 3 p.m east coast time tomorrow until then for brian campbell i'm luke thomas may all of your gains be loyal